I'm going to start with a quote from a book I've very much been enjoying and have never had the chance to read before because I didn't even know it existed. This timeless moment, a personal view of Aldous Huxley by his wife, Laura Huxley, and uh, Aldous Huxley, of course, uh, most known these days for his uh, work, The Doors of Perception, which was about his first uh, experience with mescaline, the active ingredient in peyote. After another journey that he took, he took, I guess, about a dozen journeys in the 10 years that uh, he was alive after he had this first experience. And he was writing a letter to the scientist, the doctor that had first turned him on to uh, psychedelics or entheogens, as they're often called now, those substances that allow you to see the divine. And uh, the very end of this letter says, What emerges as a general conclusion is the confirmation of the fact that mescaline does genuinely open the door and that everything, including the unknown, in its purest, most comprehensive form can come through. After the theophany, uh, which means, uh, theophany means uh, seeing of the divine, uh, uh, meeting God. After the theophany, it is up to the momentarily enlightened individual to quote-unquote cooperate with grace, not so much by will as by awareness. Someone asked, can I talk about, Susan asked, can I talk about the shadow self? So the the shadow self is, uh, as I understand it, is a a Jungian concept, a, a psychological concept of the parts of ourself that we're not able or willing to accept, that we push away into the dark. I like the fact that it's called shadow rather than darkness because, in fact, from the perspective of consciousness, uh, non-dual consciousness, there's no such thing as darkness. There is a place that is relatively absent of light. So it's a place that we're not we're not looking at, we're, we've pushed it into the shadows as if we can ignore it and as if we can live without having that aspect of ourselves, as if that aspect of ourselves isn't. And of course, this doesn't work because the shadow will be known. Every part of us will be known. Life will be known. It will come up somewhere, somehow. And I think a lot of what we're seeing in our cultural, political landscape is the projection of shadow onto other, capital O. Anything that's not me, they have the characteristics and qualities that I have pushed away as if I don't have them. And this is why you end up having uh, lawmakers sponsoring anti-LGBTQ bills, even though they themselves are closeted gay men, usually. You have religious leaders who become embroiled in, you know, all kinds of sexual shenanigans because they have determined that the perfection necessary to be expressive of life doesn't include that part that hangs out a lot in the shadows. So, in Jungian terms, uh, I've, I've heard it said that we spend the first half of life 
pushing everything into a a big sack and then the second half of life pulling everything out and examining it and finding out where to put it. That's in psychological terms. In spiritual terms, the Vader doesn't really speak about a shadow. What it does speak about is ignorance. And ignorance is this, it's a, it's a, it's a different term than shadow in that in order for me to ignore something, in order for me to live in ignorance of something, I must know that something. So the, the Vedic approach to this, the Vedic view of the psychology of us as individuals is that we know all these things about ourselves. And we're choosing to ignore them because uh, ignoring them is the only way we know how to live with these things until we find it necessary to bring them into the light or find that they are brought into the light by uh, circumstances or by others. And it's a horrifying thing to start learning these things about oneself. Anyone that's gone through any kind of depth psychology or anyone who has meditated for longer than 10 years, you're going to get in touch with the, the darkness inside and the things that you've been avoiding. And you're going to find that the anxiety you've been feeling is in large part due to repressing these memories and these ideas of self and these deep needs based in our psychology. But spiritually, these things want to be seen. These things are in us in order to show us the direction of our highest good and the direction of the tools that we uniquely have that can be used to serve others, to serve the world, to serve life with what life is doing here. And by that I mean to say, if a teacher, for example, has never gone through the grit of being human and the challenge of being human and the challenge of walking through and working through relationships, whether they're parental relationships or love relationships or offspring relationships, then that teacher has nothing to offer their students other than some ideal that if only you hadn't had that thing happen to you, you could be like me. If only you hadn't done that thing, if only you didn't have that aspect of your personality, then you could be, you could be like me. And it's too bad, but maybe just keep meditating. You might get there. The, the, the Veda wouldn't have that be the case. It, it would have us constantly challenge the stories we tell ourselves about our shadow elements so that we can get into the business of owning our shadow elements rather than living in the story of what it means to have this shadow element. Story is where we get lost story of what it means about me, what it means about me to you, what it makes me look like to you. Stories about, you know, how I really want to control the way you see me, rather than allowing you to see me the way you see me, and taking the way you see me as a report on your state of consciousness, not as a report on me. Owning my shadow self Everything that we own about our shadow self in the ownership of it and in the work we have to do to be okay with that ownership, that's a tool we now have to offer someone else.
a large part of the uh, 12-step model is one drunk talking to another, which means that the power is in the recognition of shared experience. Oh, that happened to you? Me too. Boy, yeah. When that happened to me, this is what it felt like. And this is what I did when I walked through it. And this is, you know, you might consider this. And all of this, in spiritual terms, founded in the truth that this is the, this is the extraordinary power of the Vedic worldview. It's one thing to say, you know, Consciousness is the truth of everything, and everything is an expression of this one underlying field of pure consciousness. We are like waves upon the ocean of life. I can say that. You can go, that's a lovely image. But then let's, let's use that to look at our, our life and, and at this idea of shadow. Here's what happens. There's one darkness that I discern in myself, and by darkness I mean something that I've pushed away because it was judged at some point. And I was told I was wrong at some point for that thing. Or I've discerned from society as a whole or from my religion that this thing is wrong and makes me unfit for human interaction. So there's this one little thing. And then there are the stories that I tell myself about this one little thing. And the feelings then generated by those stories, which then generate more thinking, which generates more feeling. And back and forth, this loop of self-hatred, this loop of self-judgment. God, I feel bad. <laughs> you feel bad? Well, of course you feel bad. You are bad. Here's how you're bad. This and this and this. But I, I did this and this. Yeah, but that doesn't make up for this and this and this. And oh, God, now I feel shame. And well, of course you feel shame. You're not worthy of being alive. And on and on and on. And we live in the, these stories and we never let ourselves just <sighs> settle down into, oh, okay. This is what I am at this moment. This is where I am at this moment. And now what? And here's the power of the, the Vedic worldview. If consciousness is the whole of what is, and if consciousness has as its primary function the desire to expand more into itself, the desire to love more of itself, the desire to hold in consciousness and in in acceptance more and more of itself if that's what consciousness is about and it's one whole complete thing it is not possible that what this story is telling me is true simply not possible it's, it's not possible that the whole of the universe is here in order for life to love itself god to love itself oneness to come back together with itself that all of that is, and then there's this one piece of ugliness over here that doesn't deserve to be a part of it. So these stories are all made up in order to explain things within this system and experiences we're having in the world. Well, of course you didn't get that job. You're not worth it. Of course that person left you. Of course this happened to you. Of course. Of course, of course. And these stories paint us as victims of something else, of our darkness, of our mistakes, of the mistakes that we are. The stories are always a lie because they always only tell a partial truth. And it's not even a partial truth that they're telling. They're taking a so-called fact 
and extrapolating upon it to tell us a truth about ourselves. And so it's our job to own the shadow self as it arises, to own these aspects of self that we have deemed are unworthy of seeing the light of day. And let go of the stories and make a space within our consciousness for even this to be there. Whatever this is that's been hidden, let that be there along with the light of consciousness, the light of the divine, if you will, the light of life. Let this be in the light, and as soon as it's in the light, it's no longer the shadow. And as soon as it's no longer the shadow, we begin to see where it fits into everything. And we begin to see that there is no human on the planet who is as perfect as we think we're supposed to be. Or who we would need, as perfect as we would need to be to, to uh, have a better time of life or be able to fit in or belong in some fashion. It's an extraordinary gift to have that as a lens through which to look at others, through which to look at our own life. If I'm looking at you through that lens and you're exhibiting some part of your shadow and angry at me because, you know, because I behaved like your father behaved. And when I said, uh, please don't do that, you heard, you suck, you should die or whatever it is that you heard. And you tell me I'm, I'm an ass. Instead of having a reaction, if I've owned my shadow, I can say, boy, I, 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 I didn't think I was being an ass, but, uh, I really see that you're upset, so please tell me more. And once again, I'm now offering attention to your shadow. It's being hit with the light of consciousness. And guess what? You get to let go of it a little bit more yourself. You get to let go of the resistance a bit more yourself. This is the way consciousness works. It is light. And it is only light. There is no such thing as darkness. There are places that are relatively less enlightened than other places. Once we've had any kind of an experience of universal love or of that bliss experience of like, oh, everything's okay in this moment. Just nobody moved. Nobody gets hurt. Oh, God, I always knew this was here. Oh, any experience we have that is remotely like that, it is then our responsibility to keep at least the memory of that alive in us so that we can look for it. Not that exactly, but look for that characteristic, that quality in our life so that we can remind ourselves, especially at those times when we're locked into small self story of what I lack or what you lack or what the world lacks. It's incumbent upon us to hold that truth so that we counterbalance the stories we've been living with for decades and begin to own all of ourselves so that it doesn't have to live in story and in darkness. It can live here along with the rest of me and trusting that the truth of spirit, the truth of consciousness, the truth of love will have its way with me, will express itself through me, even more so now that I'm owning even more of my small self even more of those places I've been pushing away. 
Today I will accept all of myself, the light and the not-so-light. And I will ask for help from the higher self to know myself as that higher self, as something other than the thoughts in my head. And I will walk into the world as if I have something to offer. And I'll pay attention to the world to find out where that something might be useful. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Embracing Bliss. I started this podcast and the book it's based on to offer a daily reminder to myself as well as to you that we have the freedom to choose happiness. And if ever we needed happiness and freedom to choose in this world, now would be that time. So please do share it with someone you love, send it to a friend, and also please stay in touch. Links for Instagram, uh, the book Embracing Bliss, and to sign up for my newsletter can all be found in the show notes. Until next time, have a great day.